Happy Hour from Central City, New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy Hour is part of the family of shows of the podcast network. It's NewOrleans.com. For the next 60 minutes, we're sitting around the table here at Casa Borrega. With Al- is this Alice's Restaurant you're playing in? Sort of. Sort of a sort of a homage to Alice's Restaurant. Casa Borrega is a music club. It's a restaurant and it's a bar where you can come and have great drinks, great food, and hang out with fabulous people like us. You can also follow them on Facebook and Twitter as you can follow us as well in the next 60 minutes here at Casa Borrega. You're going to get to meet maybe three or four of the many thousands of fascinating people who live in New Orleans and you'll get to hear some live music much like Andrew Duhon is playing right now. At the end of the show you might conclude New Orleans is a great city where people love to talk, have fun and enjoy great music but there's a fair chance you know that already so let's get right on with doing nothing but enjoying the next 60 minutes of Happy Hour Together. Okay, we can fade the theme down now normally. How are we going to do that when we're doing it live? Though? Yes. Very nice. Andrew, Andrew Duhon, <laughs> our happy hour troubadour who wanders around the world and occasionally wanders back to join us. This time he's wandering back from San Francisco and Los Angeles, I believe, yep. right? Yeah. How was all that? It was good. I got to go. I just played the theme. I'm out. Peace. Okay, that's it. Uh-huh. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's been great. And that was happy hour. What a great show. <laughs> hey, my guests sitting around the table here today are from left to right. Alex McConduit. Hello there. Hi, Alex. Alex is a New Orleans writer and entrepreneur. You don't see those two words in the same sentence very right. often. Now you do. <laughs> Writer and entrepreneur, what came first? Uh, entrepreneur, actually. Really? Yeah. Over at Loyola, my first thing was uh, online radio, uh, Big Boot Radio, over on CrescentCityRadio.com. So that was my first time trying. What made you do Big Boot, not Big Booty, which would be the obvious? Uh, yeah, the booty thing. Did you thing do that I, first, Big Booty? I, I did, actually, high school. I tried to stop at college. It was, it was a little more dangerous. But, uh, uh, you know, Big Boot in reference to Louisiana. So we, we focused ah. on local ah. artists in the city. I never yeah. heard that before. Yeah. That's original, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, so now I have Big Boot publishing with my books. Okay, I'll get on to that right now. Alex is the founder of the publishing house, Big Boot Books, and the author of three books, The Little Who Dad Who Didn't, Snowballs for All, and his latest just published book, Thorn in My Horn. Yeah, okay, it's my favorite one. As you may have guessed by the title, Alex's books are for children. Alex is the founder of WRITE a youth publishing program that transforms students in New Orleans into published authors. That's no mean feat. Uh, no, that's a... You can pull it's, that off. It's cool, though. Do you get a cut from everybody's book? At least no, no, not yet, but maybe when well, I get the entrepreneur came first, though. Yeah, no, nah, I actually am a humanitarian first. No, that wasn't down nice. here. Yeah. I only have New Orleans writer and entrepreneur. That's just what the entrepreneur would say. And humanitarian. Last year, Gambit Magazine named Alex McConduit one of the city's top 40 under 40. Mm, that was cool. Okay, congratulations. And this year, to cement that title, Alex co-founded Fundat, a kind of Kickstarter designed for projects created in or about New Orleans. Yes, sir. So you're a busy guy. Right now is as busy as I've ever been, but I, I guess I wouldn't have it any other way. What would you do if you weren't being busy? You could go to the beach. Oh, uh, yeah, that's the plan in three years. But three before years. this, I worked at 9 to 5, actually, at uh, Harris. And I liked it. It was a good place to work, but, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, my, it wasn't my thing. No, I did social media marketing. It's my first real job out of college. What did you have to do? Go down there every day and take pictures, tweet, Facebook, kind of build some websites. It was cool. At so it wasn't a bag ca- at the casino. Uh, across the street at Canal Place. So our, the marketing office was across the street. Do they do they pay or do they give you 
Like Free buffet for lunch is all yeah. you get, isn't it? Luck, yeah, luckily I didn't get uh, any chips because I would have no lost chips. it all. Yeah. I couldn't even think of the word. I think it's tokens. Chips. No, ho- the house usually wins yeah. if, you, if yeah. you didn't know. And sitting across the table from me, Catherine Hopgood Ray. Hello, Catherine. Hey, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Catherine's a singer, songwriter, and a music historian. Mm-hmm. Catherine has a master's degree in New Orleans jazz history from Tulane University and is currently working on research about pioneering jazz guitarists. Oh, listen to this. You won't believe this. I'm Andrew. ready. The famous. Snoozer Quinn. Do you know him? Uh, I've never heard of him. Snoozer Quinn. Snoo- That's right. <laughs> Snoozer anyone. The reason he was called Snoozer, he was so good he could play in his sleep. Oh. Wow. Was that really why he was yeah. called that? That's yeah. Cool. He was from and his real name from uh, Bogalusa. Yeah. And he uh, came down here and he, he was playing um, he was playing at, uh, around New Orleans in 1928 and hmm. Paul Whiteman picked him up and took him to New York. Who did? Paul Whiteman. He was the king of jazz, the self-proclaimed and um, popular media named king of jazz. Paul um, Whiteman was. Mm-hmm. Was he white or black? White. He um, was a white He man. picked <laughs> Snoozer up, and Snoozer was white, too, and he took him back to New York City. But the problem was Snoozer, who was a country boy, also had a misshapen head, kind of shaped what like did a it big, look like, a like flat on the back with a big squishy shape. He was very, very shy. And um, the important thing about Snoozer in terms of... Uh, uh, guitar history is that he was the first solo jazz guitar player. So while Eddie Lang and Lonnie Johnson were playing guitar solos, Snoozer was also playing guitar solos, but he was playing all three parts on a guitar at once, which really didn't start happening until the 40s or 50s. What are the three parts exactly? Uh, Harmony, harmony, rhythm, and then the lead on top of it simultaneously. He, He invented that. Well, he was the first to do it and record it, and he, uh, a classical guitar player would do the same, but it wasn't happening in jazz because there was no amplification. So who got the credit for inventing that? A smoother Nobody point? really got the credit, um, but that was the argument of my thesis, was that he was the very first. Are there recordings of Snoozer? There are, but they weren't made until 1949 when he was dying of tuberculosis. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. I am searching for them. Yeah. Victor recorded him in 1928. Yeah. They're in the vaults. Cool. Hmm. So yeah. somebody's got them. The Victor recording but, company. But you does. have not heard them either. No. Wow, they're, that's they're cool. They're in a warehouse um, languishing probably in Camden, New Jersey. We're, we've narrowed it down from nothing to already a warehouse in Camden, New Jersey. <laughs> so we've only been talking for a minute. <laughs> so what's stop- out. Yeah, what's stopping you, know, you? I have to say I'm not even here to talk about snoozers. So, um, okay. Well, I, that's what you thought apparently, but yeah. we've got different ideas. I'll talk about them whenever I can. Yeah. <laughs> so he had a misshapen head and tuberculosis. And where, where did he learn to play the guitar like this? Um, he, well, he learned to play it in Bogalusa and uh, they w- in the early jazz bands on the North Shore. He, you know, he he was hearing people like, um, uh, well, I don't know. He was hearing all kinds of influences because Bogalusa was a crossroads. You had like the the tin shows popping up, and then you had all the New Orleans what jazz bands going up there. What year was this, by the way? He was playing as early as 1920. 1920 mm-hmm. in I've n- have you guys been to Bogalusa? I've never Alex, been. I need Andrew, to. Have you been to Bogalusa? Been to Bogalusa. What do you think of it? It's cool. I've played a couple shows and I delivered a couch there. <laughs> Did you record there? <laughs> you no, I haven't recorded there. No. Oh wait. No, 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 no. I haven't. Studio in Studio in the country. country. Oh my god, I made my last record in Bogalusa. <laughs> I didn't even know it. Oh my I knew god. that. Weird. Okay. I knew that. I knew that. What's in the tamarind drink here that just made us? Uh, I, I get Pascagoula and Bogalusa. Confused. Similar I delivered a couch to Pascagoula. I recorded an <laughs> album in Bogalusa. Close. So Studio in the Country is where you made the Morrings. Yeah. Which is a beautiful album, by the way, if you haven't heard it. Thanks, dude. And um, 
how long did you spend it? In weeks? Oh, week? no, no. It was uh, three days of initial tracking. So, you know, three Where days. do you stay? Is there, a, like, a place to stay at the studio? Yeah. So, who's so you just hang out in the country. So, the Bug Loose is like a sort of a musical... Mecca. Stevie Mecca. Wonder, mm. Kansas, Foreigner, they all report, yeah. recorded some of their greatest songs there. It's true. Stevie, yeah. Say that slowly. Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder, Kansas, Foreigner. Um, this would be a great Of quiz. course, Louisiana LaRue. They all recorded some of their hits there. There are not much. Thank you. There are not many things in common between Foreigner and Stevie Wonder. Except number think. one records. All recorded in Bogalusa. Yeah. Marilyn Manson what, as well. Wow. What drags Andrew? What drags people down here to Bogalusa to do that? Well, it's it's the only that? studio in Louisiana that was built, uh, was built from the foundation in in an effort to make a studio as opposed to just a converted building that you turn into a studio. So everything that is a studio in the country is catered to recording, and it was back in the day. So when you show up now, it looks vintage. It looks like. You know, every shade of brown. You know, it's just the, right. it's just the old school studio. And it's a beautiful thing. You don't get many of those. When were they? When did they build that? Then you know, Catherine. I want to say the early seventies. Yeah, it was back in the, back when people were getting giant record contracts, and you either go to New York or L.A. But there were these rock bands who didn't want to go either place. They wanted to go to the country, so they named it aptly and uh, you know that made a before, place in the country. That was before search engine optimization or anything. They called it studio in the country. That would be a great title today, wouldn't it? I can use it for a book, definitely. There you go. <laughs> hey, so how did you discover Snoozer in the first place? Seeing nobody's ever heard of him except you. He's my great-great-uncle. No shit. That's not true. I was born in Bogalusa. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Is there a song called that, by the way? I was born in Bogalusa. No, I don't it, know. It's got a ring, doesn't Clarence it? Clarence Gatemouth might have written one. I don't mm-hmm. know. And that Snoozer Quinn was my great-uncle. Is that what you just said? Yes. Great, great great, uncle. a great title as well. Cool. Snoozer Quinn was my great great uncle. That even sounds like the beginning of a <laughs> song. So it? he's your uncle, but you haven't heard a song he's played yet. Well, I mean, I've heard his hospital recordings. Okay. And I've heard um, he also recorded with Jimmy Davis cool. singing Governor some country tunes, and I've heard all those. Cool. cool. What's up with the hospital recordings? Is it just him like gasping? He was in the hospital for the last year of his life, dying of tuberculosis, charity hospital here in New Orleans, mm. and, um, and they let him take a guitar up there and, and uh, record. Yes, um, one of the founders of the New Orleans Jazz Club, Johnny Wiggs, went up there in 1949 with a guitar and recorded him literally on his deathbed. It's quite a romantic story, mm. and they are the only. Um, legacy of his jazz performance. So he was so good that they had to, they were like, we have to get this done. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yes. amazing. That's and amazing. did you write a PhD thesis about that? No, master's thesis. I, I will never write a PhD <laughs> dissertation after writing my master's <laughs> thesis. So <laughs> for it. Nice. But you, but you were still a music historian today. Well, I consider myself um, um, a music um, historian, yes. Well, I consider myself a genius, but... Well, that doesn't mean anything. Are you actually a music historian? <laughs> yes, because I keep writing about music, and I've been writing about music since 2000. I, I'm really into, um, I've lived in all over the state, and um, so I'm also very much into Lead Belly and um, local music around the entire state, so Louisiana music. I'm a music cheerleader. Sweet. Okay. Did you bring pom-poms? I will bring pom-poms <laughs> in person. I wish I could see what Snoozer looks like. Can we, is, can we Google him? Please something? look at my website, snoozerquinn.com. Oh, you have a website called snoozerquinn.com. Absolutely. I'm pulling it up. Okay, yeah, Alex, yep, check it ahead. out. Okay. So our music guest today is uh, someone called Miss Mac, who's making her third appearance. Hi, I'm Miss Mac. On, <laughs> on Happy House. She's one of our favorites, but apparently she's either been run over by a bus or contracted a terminal disease. It's a shame. Which one do you think it's going to be? Uh, both. 
I'm confident she'll Wouldn't be that be awful if she had it? You think she's going to show up? I'm confident. Else? What do you think it is? Did, oh, maybe she didn't know that it was um, Daylight Saving. Maybe not. Because it's only Daylight Saving Did it change like, recently? No, I think June or something. I think we have a month to go. We've still got a month to go. I can't make an excuse for her, but she is fabulous, and let's hope she shows up, because last time she was here, she told us this amazing story about how she paid oh, off her two I see his head. Hey. Is that the head? Is, is that, that right? Mm-hmm, that's Check him. What does he look like? Oh, he, wow. does, have, he does have oh one of those uh, Goonies, like hey, that. you guys heads. <laughs> but you have a very normal head. Thank you. Yeah, it's no. not like a, that's a disease, right, where your forehead is, like, sticking out. Like Forceps that. accident is my guess. Oh, wow, really? You think? That's what I think. Dang. And he was born in Macomb, so my cousin, one of my, I mean, my brother is uh, from Macomb. All right. Yeah, I like Macomb. Right. Your brother's from Macomb? Yeah. Where are you from? I'm from here. I'm from New Orleans. What? He's, he's not, we're not, not real brothers, but we grew up together, and he's like, he's my brother. He's, he's my brother. Yeah. <laughs> he's close enough. Yeah. How long, how old was he when he moved from Macomb to New Orleans? Uh, 12? No, 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 no. Oh, 14, okay. 14, 14, 14. He's yeah. not funny-headed. He's my brother. No, <laughs> Another good one. I hope you're writing these down. These, we're having so many good ideas for songs here. Anyway, so Miss Mac is like really not showing up, but hopefully she will. I mean. Because you're going to love her if you. I really, really look forward to meet her. But what's going to happen, Catherine, is we're going to have to make you step in. Anyway, listen, I haven't even read the fucking introduction. <laughs> Catherine Hopgood-Ray is a singer, songwriter, and a music historian. Did I read that sentence? Yes, you have a history, jazz history, and a pioneering jazz guitarist, Snoozer Quinn. Okay, I'll pick it up from there. So this is how I'll start off now. When she's not dusting off old 48 RPM records, oh, that was good. We didn't even know there were going to be 48 RPM records in the conversation. No, so we didn't. We didn't. <laughs> Catherine is whacking the crap out of other women as one of the biggies oh, roller girls. Oh, oh, my goodness. No shit. roller girl. Okay, that's not true. No, I, I have whacked the crap out of other women. <laughs> um, that's, but I'm, they deserve it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a founding member. Well, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an original season member of the Big Easy Roller Girls. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm mostly known around town as Trixie. <laughs> Trixie LaFam. Yeah. It was your name as a Big Easy Roller Girl. Yeah. Have hey, you retired from yeah, the Roller Yeah, I did retire. I had a baby. And although lots of amazing women go back after having babies, I did not. Mm-hmm. You're an amazing woman, but you're not amazing enough to go back to. They practice a lot. Uh. <laughs> it's just too time consuming. They practice. Those women practice four days a week. Good Lord. And then they promote a lot. Like I see them at the Fred oh, Market all the time. Me- that's You're at right. the Fred Market. Yeah, I'm at the Fred Market. What are you doing too. at the Fred Market? Selling uh, books. Selling my uh, children's yeah. books. Yeah. Signing and selling. When, here they are over here when can I go see a roller derby match? Um, I think the next one is going. It's, I know there's one in October. I want to say October 11. Damn. Okay. You over here? No. Hey, you up? So how did you get into that? But, uh, it was post-Katrina. It was early 2006, and I heard an ad on uh, WTUL that they were having tryouts. Sweet. And I found myself looking for something, and uh, to, I just to went take and your anger out. I went and tried <laughs> out. Oh, that was so good. That's like the answer to like, how did you find your way to the church? I was just looking <laughs> for something. It well, was let me tell you what. On the radio. Let me tell you what. There's a song called it, and I've heard it said so many times. Roller derby saved my soul. Ooh. For real. Damn Testify. straight. Testify. I I swear to God, yeah, that is like on. the greatest thing I ever went. What? I I love roller derby so much, and also I know so many people, amazing people, because of roller derby. How long did you do it for? Five, almost before. five years. <laughs> five years, awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, I always think it's really cool to just meet the yep. roller derby roller derby girls. Do you mm-hmm. rock a uh, inline or classic style? Oh no, we wear um eight wheels. Eight. Um yeah, I mean Wait. yeah, like. Yeah, they're not in line. Uh-huh. They're they're the 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 old school skate yeah, ring old kind. School skate That's ring awesome. Kind. Yeah, flat track, Strong. not bank track. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could you skate before you started this? Were you a roller skater as a kid? Not really. 
Very few people are, but they, like, after, yeah. you know, 20 hours of practice a week, you'll get it. <laughs> was this just to get out your inner bitch? Was that what this was about? <laughs> no matter how long I skated roller derby, I never could quite grasp my inner bitch. <laughs> uh, but but that was the goal, right? Yeah, really. yeah, but that doesn't mean I wasn't, you know, good. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, you know. But you look so mild-mannered. That's, like that's, that's my yeah. weapon. This Trixie thing is a new... New level. That's my weapon. I gotta yeah. go see one. I, like I don't know how you win and how you lose and all That's that. That's a good question. Stuff. How yeah. do you win? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's two teams. Um, each team has four blockers, and then the fast, typically small, agile skater is the jammer. She earns a point for every opposing blocker she passes. Okay. And meanwhile, they're trying to, of course, hit her. Destroy. And, yeah, destroy. Which one were you? And the, and the whole lap at, at is two minutes. My, my primary role was jammer. So nice. you're like the tough ass. I role. find the holes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's great. If you haven't been, visit their website, BigEasyRollerGirls.com. It's to amazing. And are you, like, and gotta go. you're hitting other girls as you go around to try and push them out of the way. Heck so, yes. So oh, look, I'm, don't, I'm not a bitch, but I am very aggressive. Like, I love hitting people. And in fact, for years, I had a problem hit like, my husband, I hit him all the time. Nice. Hit him all the time. <laughs> like, if he's in my way, I you just like, boop, hit him with my hip, and he, like, can fall over. It's amazing. Natural, you just learn. Beautiful. You just learn how to like use your weight. <laughs> what happens when you hit people? Do they ever hit you back? I mean, in real life, like that, does your husband turn around and whack you? Oh well, it comes in handy at Mardi Gras because you can move through a crowd, mm -hmm. knock people over, and they never right. know what happened. Um, <sighs> no, no, no. He just is like, "Hey, you're booty blocking me. Stop!" And mm -hmm. I'm just, okay, sorry. But the thing that is so cool is that you would be walking down the street and find yourself bowing up to protect your friends and family once you've been doing roller derby because you feel that confident. Nice. Do you get in any fights, Alex? Uh, no, I, well, sometimes I, I actually uh, spar with my friend who's uh, doing some MMA. Oh, boy. Yeah, so it's uh, he's actually a jiu-jitsu guy, but I'm not much of a boxer. But uh, from sparring with him, I have learned to love the cerebral part of it, trying to figure out. The know, cerebral yeah. part of boxing. Yeah, yeah. really yeah. an interesting subject. What would that be? Just trying to dodge. Uh, just trying, yeah, trying to not let them know that you don't want to get punched <laughs> and uh, figuring out a way to punch them and move and not, you know, use your fear and adrenaline and, mm. and uh, also trying to keep your energy up for later rounds. So mm. it's, it's almost like chess, but not chess yeah. at all. Yeah, it hurts when you get punched in the What's stomach. What's a later round? It's like primal chess. Later. Oh, like, yeah, or oh, oh, later round, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So we. What, we did, what did you think he said? Lay uh, around? I thought he said lay around like it was a special oh, move. Lay, oh, lay around. I got gotcha. you. Okay. I'm going to come up with that, though, actually. Mm -hmm. He doesn't probably know about the lay around. I can hear how, um, that. How often do you do that now? Uh, I haven't in a little while, but um, we would we were going like every every once a week. I guess probably as much as I can take because we. Can I go on YouTube and find a video of you getting laid out? Actually, is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. You can go on Instagram <laughs> and see me doing pretty well against somebody right. else. Another guy came as far, and I, I held my own. Actually, on Instagram, on, like a video. Oh, you know what? It's on Vine. It's Vine. On Vine. Oh, so like yeah, a six second video. yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. you can show us the highlights. Oh yeah, I'll pull it up in a second. So do you, do you wear the MMA gloves, or you just? No, we have we, we do boxing. I don't oh, go right. to MMA cool. with them. I have yeah. no chance. The right MMA on. is like anything goes. You're just yeah, like kick trying in, to kill someone. Trying to break their arm off until they it's tap out. It's like roller derby without yeah. the roller. It's intense. Yeah, my friend Ryan, he's a, he's, a, he's a beast. He has a, a big fight coming up, so I'm excited. I think he's going to win because he's... Nice. What's his name so we can put uh, Ryan Moret. Ryan, Ryan Moret. Yeah, he's going to win, trust me. How, how much should we put on it? 
Uh, if you got uh, 10,000, if I had 10,000, I would put it on 10. Wait, where are well, they boxing at? You heard doing, it here, folks. Yeah, MMA at us, uh, so I don't even work with this company, <laughs> but <laughs> there's an MMA fight at Harris November 8th. It's our MMA. I don't know the card yet, but uh, he's fighting. And the last time he had an official fight was his first fight. He did a, some competition in Louisiana, his first fight, and he won. He won the whole competition. Nice. And then he stopped for a little while, but now he's, you know, he's fo- he's so focused. He just had a son, and he's so focused. So hey, you guys, listen, Catherine, ex- yeah. he had a Same son, thing. and he's back in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> back into it. It's different. He didn't carry, carry the boy for nine months. Bro. That's fair as that. Yeah, 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 yeah. We get it a little easier. So me. if you could get your hands on 10000 bucks. You'd put it on this guy. If I had a hundred thousand, yeah, I would put ten. What? Maybe, maybe a million. Do you, do you know his opponent? Have you seen him? I don't or? need to know him. I know Whoa, he's going to win, right. dude. I don't know. Yeah, he's going to win. He's so ready. Well, I can tell you how to get a hold of ten thousand dollars if oh. you really want to. Know. I want to know. I need okay. it. Okay, it's have you got a pen? It's called yeah. funddat.com. Oh, yeah. I've actually heard of that. What so a great yeah. segue. Yeah, you, f- you founded funddat.com. It was I your did. idea. Well, you was co-founded it with someone else. Right? Exactly. Mark Juno, he's my partner. We actually came up with the idea separately before we met each other. And then I did a business competition startup weekend in April. I came in third place. This is April 2013. Yeah. Now. So I started Googling it around. And I found neworleanscrowdfunding.com. And I was like, okay, that's exactly what I'm doing. Uh, and I saw that the guy, they had a website company that built it called Nola Graphics. I clicked on Nola Graphics. I found out who the top guy was, Mark Juno. And so I gave him a call and I was like, hey, uh, I just won this business competition. I kind of do this. Let's talk. And so we talked for about a month, kind of feeling each other out and stuff. And we found that he kind of had the, he's a web developer. He's been doing web development for 10 years. And we found that he had the website and the technical side all figured out. And I went to school for marketing. I worked in marketing. I'm an author and entrepreneur. And uh, so I kind of had the business plan all figured out. And we, we, we validated the idea at Start a Week. And so we were like, we could either split the market as competitors or we can split the market as partners. And so uh, we decided to go for it. And we're actually launching the platform um, October 8th during NOLA Tech Week. Fantastic. Nice. It's a good story because, you know, so often when people have two business ideas, they compete against each other, and yeah. one wins and one loses. But in New Orleans, I've heard the story, not this particular story, but this kind of story where people end up working together. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm not in business to, I'm not a warmonger, right? I'm, I'm so here to help people. Well, yeah, a little bit. But I'm here to help, you know, I'm, it, just along with my books. So I take my books and I go and read and I help kids publish books, and it's educational and empowerment aspect to that. And it's the same thing with FundDat. So to, to let people know and to educate people on how they can get access to the funds that they need to want to start something well, is an amazing thing. Well, we need 10000 bucks to bet on this guy. Let's figure it out. We can come up with a good project What's and some good rewards. How do we, how do, so, but anyway, tell me the difference between FundDat and Kickstarter. So Kickstarter is uh, the leading crowdfunding platform. They accept projects from all over the world. FundDat is a, pr- a platform that is it's a reward-based crowdfunding platform specifically designed for projects created in or about New Orleans. What is reward-based? Uh, reward-based means, so with crowdfunding, it's a new way that people can finance things that they want to do. And so instead of giving, if you want to start a business or do something, instead of taking out a loan or asking your, un- your rich uncle or uh, giving up <laughs> equity in your business, people who want to help you succeed and want to see what you want to ha- do happen, they can, uh, in exchange for monetary donations, they can get different rewards based mm-hmm. on the level that they contribute. Well, that's a Kickstarter what? model. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And so what's different about us is that one thing is that if you don't reach your goal, you can still keep the money that you raise. And also, we only accept projects that are in or about New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So if you're in New Orleans, you can make a project about anything you want. If you're in California, your project has to some way significantly include or impact our city. 
Mm. And who signed up so far? Who you got? We have some really cool projects. So our deadline was Monday to be a part of our featured launch program. And uh, uh, so we have 10 that we're going to uh, select, but we have an advisory board that's selecting them by next Tuesday. So, so you had a lot of applicants. Yeah, we, have, we actually have 48 projects that were submitted throughout the month of September. So we started September 1st. We did workshops called Conversations on Crowdfunding in an effort to engage the community and figure out how we can be a, uh, you know, a resource to these businesses so, and nonprofits and schools. So that sounds like the difference then right there is, is you, are, you are filtering these things. You're, you're, you're going to decide which of these projects gets funded, right? So in a way, so there's two ways that we work. So we have featured projects that we kind of you know, work with on planning, coming up with rewards, helping them design their video and different things like that. But also, if you don't want our help and you don't want to wait to be a featured project, anybody with an idea can go and, and post their project on the site without, mm-hmm. without, without our help. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the only thing is that we won't be walking them through the way. But we also have these workshops that we're going to do every month so they have the opportunity to come in, ask us questions, talk to mm-hmm. us. So help me out with the idea that as a musician, when I see friends of mine trying to fund albums on uh, Kickstarter, uh, and, and some of them are really well done, and others of them are just uh, digital panhandling. Right. You know? And uh, so I really like the idea that we have this opportunity now to, to market things we couldn't market before, such as, or merchandise, uh, mm-hmm. such as, like, uh, I'll come to your place and play you a house concert for 500 bucks, or whatever right. it might be. Now you can kind of, like, sell certain things, and that's real legit. Exactly. You can even get a hundred bucks from that guy in Chicago who saw you play and really likes you and is rich. Awesome. That's cool too. But you know, like what makes, what makes the idea that if the, the goal isn't reached, you still get the money. Why is that legit? Or, or what about that thing is, is so to me, uh, so I started this because I ran my own crowdfunding campaign. So I, I ran a campaign to raise money to help kids publish books through write. And I learned firsthand that one, uh, while crowdfunding isn't hard, it's not easy so it takes some work it's it's a campaign whether it's 30 days or 45 days you put in a lot of work so to me I felt like if you are going to work hard for 30 days or 45 days I, I think you deserve to get a little something mm-hmm. and so what we do is that if you reach your goal we uh, fund that only takes five percent if you don't reach your goal we take nine percent and cool. we do that in an effort to help people create realistic goals, really think about their budget, what they want to raise, and not just say, oh, I want to raise a zillion dollars. Now, I would love for you, anybody who wants to raise a zillion dollars, please do it. But uh, that's the reason we're set up that way. I just think that if you work that hard, you should get it. And if people want to help you out, they're, they're not helping you out just because they want the reward, sometimes. But most of the time, it's because they believe in what, you, what you're doing and they want to help you get closer. But the, the idea, I think, behind having that, collecting the money only if you get the funds is to protect, I think, I thought that's a Kickstarter's plan, is to protect the funder, the people who's giving you the money, so that if I'm, only, if I'm the only idiot that snaps right. up $25, <laughs> then I don't have to pay it, because everyone else thinks this album is going to be a stupid idea. Right. or Well, you, you'll still get your reward, so it's not like a donation. I'll get my t-shirts. Yeah. Well, your t-shirt, or you get your, your concert, you get your lunch, or you get your name in the song, whatever the reward is. So it's almost just like buying a product, in, in, in essence, because right. you're getting something. So that's why we don't call it a donation, it's actually a contribution. Yeah, but what, what I understood was that it was like, this record's going to cost me $25,000 to make. Mm-hmm. And so I need twenty five thousand dollars to make it to go pay for this, that, and the other thing. 
And if I don't get the $25,000, I'm not going to make the record. So then if you don't get the $25,000, you're not making the record, I'm not going to give, have well, to give you my $25,000. Well, think about it. Are you not going to make that record? If you're a musician, you're going to make that record, especially because now you, instead of raising twenty five, you got eight grand. So you're closer. So now you got to figure something else out, whatever it takes. Okay. You're not going to just quit being a musician now. <laughs> so the, 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 the funder is protected because they're going to get their reward. They're going to get what they paid for. Now, if the project doesn't happen, that's a possibility. But it, it usually just means that it's going to be a delay in the project. They're going to have to figure something else out, wiggle some other type of way, maybe launch another campaign with different types of rewards. Uh, so we just think that it's cool that I call it the mass murder of inspiration. So you sit around with your everybody so write goes that one down too. Yeah, check the this mass out. So murder of inspiration. Yeah, it's a moment that you probably went through a, a lot in your life and everybody. So you and your friends are sitting around. You say, oh, man, you know, if we can do this, this would be a great idea. Oh, yeah, it should be red. It should have bells. It should have whistles. Oh, that's so great. And you go, oh, wait, well, we don't have any money. So, you know, let's just forget about it. And so that moment kills more ideas, more innovation, more uh, entrepreneurial spirit than anything in the world. And so now with crowdfunding, you can at least get 500, 5,000, 10,000, whatever you need to start. You need to start a religion. <laughs> I think you it already good. exists. It's called capitalism. It, it's already out there. We all are kind of bought into but it. But you know, like, we're all, we're all sitting here like, it's, well, it's, it's awesome you're, because you're, you're great. You it's, got a whole it's inspirational. It's empowering. Yes, it's it's, it's uh, and also the financial element helps out as well. But I also think you're absolutely right is that the difference I've often thought the difference between successful people and the rest of us is that moment that when a successful person is a person who has this stupid idea and then actually does it. Step two, yeah, exactly. I'm going through that right now in my life. I mean, if it was one step for me to start writing children's books, but for me to jump, to jump into the tech world and build a website that's as forward-facing and as public and as, uh, I don't know another word, but like Fundat will be, like a crowdfunding platform will be. I mean, every other day I'm a little stressed out, but... Like you said, I'm not going to stop. Uh, I'm actually going for it. We already put the money in, so it's happening. And uh, it's awesome. It's cool. It's just, you know, I want to be able to come up with stuff and then do it. And it's exciting to have a stupid idea and then actually have it happen. Yeah. So, like, some people, were, they had the New Orleans Fruit Tree Project. Mm -hmm. They realized that there were so many people in New Orleans, so, like, old people, people who just neglected the fruit trees in their backyard, and they were wasting a lot of food around Figs. the city. Figs. All right. And Good so Lord. what they did was they raised eight grand on Kickstarter to get a van and to get some ladders. And so I think the first time that they actually went out and collected the fruit, I don't, I don't know the exact number, but it was some tons of fruit <laughs> that they collected mm. and donated Second Harvest Fruit. And that's just an idea. That's, you know, that's, that's just a something. Great idea. And so now, you know, it's not just about business and it's not just about uh, making money, but just something you want to do. I heard, I heard some things about this thing that I love and that I hate. What's that? Let me tell you. Why? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so you're going to screen these ideas. Like if you heard that idea about like the fruit, you'd say, hell yeah, let's do this, right? But then there's this moment where you can let people in, or a caveat where you can let people into your website and come and scrape up whatever scrapings they may get because their thing was not successful. And you're saying, and you're right, a lot of people would continue on with their project. But what about the people who don't? And that is, that's disappointing to me as someone who would visit the site. So can you, can you uh, make someone like me who would give 20 bucks to something he believed in more excited to visit your site uh, by ensuring me that what I was donating to would not only get done, but was a great idea? So the one thing that we can do is that what we're going to go out and do, and my plan all the whole time was that 
to go out and basically inspire projects. So crowdfunding has been around on the internet for three years. It's grown exponentially. Next year, it's supposed to be a $16 billion industry, but it's not a household name in New Orleans yet. Mm -hmm. And so that's the purpose for these workshops so that we can go out and talk to people and say, hey, you're a school, you need to raise money, you should check this out. So to answer your question, there's nothing that I can do to actually stop fraud, right? But you have to kind of think about it in two ways. So the fraud that would happen would have to be somebody who's on Facebook, on Twitter, on all these different networks where they're promoting and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that kind of cuts down on your fraud because it's not like you're totally hidden. Sure, you could be, but if you don't have, if you're not an actual person on Facebook and you didn't make this video where you're actually talking and people are seeing you and know your name and know you're out in the community, yeah. uh, then you won't be successful. Mm -hmm. Now, when you give your $25, how can I protect you? At any point in life, when you invest in something and put twenty-five or twenty-five hundred or a thousand, it's a risk, mm -hmm. and that's what you're dealing with here. Sure. The good thing about it is that um, usually the investment is something like twenty-five bucks or a hundred bucks. Any type of investment you make in life is kind of open to fraud, True. but it, it doesn't happen as much as it would seem like it would happen simply because you're tied to those social networks where people know you and mm -hmm. can find you. Yeah. I've been really thinking about what a small town New Orleans is. Um, because Mark Juno is your partner, and he right. was one of the very first sponsors Big Easy Roller Girls had, by the way. Um, nice. He's he, a great guy. He built and hosted our uh, one of our websites, and he's um he's really uh yeah. So he's all over this. You're all over this. Yeah. So Mark is he he does he does a bunch of people's website. I think he does offbeats. He did Tales of the Cocktail. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but uh, <laughs> and so myself also. I'm I'm a guy. I'm all in the schools. I'm all at the market selling books and reading the kids, and mm -hmm. so. It's, you know, it's great. It's great to work with somebody who's super about New Orleans, just like I am. I mean, my three books, they're all relative to New Orleans. Everything that I do, I mean, I could have left after Katrina and went somewhere else and stuff. But do you have children? I don't have children. I have you a niece and a nephew who remind yeah. me <laughs> yeah. to wait a little while. I do want children. <laughs> uh, my girlfriend's nice. probably listening. I would like children oh, one day if we haven't talked goodness. about that yet. <laughs> but uh, You haven't talked about that. No, I how love kids. You, how long have you been dating? Uh, we've been dating actually for about <laughs> dating. eight months. Eight, eight months. months. Don't, don't well, I've been knowing her since I was twelve. She's a wonderful since young you were woman. Twelve years old. I've been knowing her. Yes. At what point, Catherine? At what point would you expect to have the conversation about whether we're going to have kids? <laughs> or not? Okay. Well, my husband and I, um, we cohabitated in sin for nine years before we got married. You hear that, nice. baby? You hear that? <laughs> yeah. no, joking, we I'm basically joking. decided to get married when we knew we were ready to have a child. But, see, but you didn't get knocked up for nine years then. Oh, no. No. So um, when did you have the conversation, though, about whether we should have kids or not? When I finished my silliness. Because <laughs> I think that's a, that's a frightening conversation to bring up on both sides, isn't it? Really, you ladies, know? that's why you should marry older gentlemen. I don't think <laughs> it's gonna, when we have the conver if, if we have the conversation or when we have the conversation. Uh, nah, she's such a good girl. She's such a cool person. She's actually getting her PhD at uh, LSU right now. Just such a, you know, I just if you met this type of woman, you'd be like, yeah, you know, I, I, I would stick with that. That's that's a good, that's a good choice. That's a great. Yeah, idea. Don't we have those talks? Rarely really happens. Yeah. Still, still, not everybody wants to have kids, and if you do, yeah, and you haven't had that conversation, and she doesn't. Well, you know what? I'm totally down. I mean, I would like to have kids simply because I could keep like my last name going, and I don't know about reincarnation and all of this stuff. Oh, like it's maybe true. you're supposed to have kids Same. to keep it going. But no, reincarnation is definitely true, right, Catherine? I kind of believe it. Yeah, see, yeah. there you go. So, so um, I could, I'm. 
down with either way. Like, if I don't have kids, like, I could, like, just, we could just go wherever we want to go and not worry about it. But then also, I don't get to instill these qualities that I think are good about me into a, another person. Well, so, if you believe in reincarnation, then your child is going to be somebody else. But maybe, I don't know. We right. don't know how it works. I mean, what if it's well, like. if you believe in it. Well, I mean, but I, we don't. We believe in you reincarnation, totally but we don't. It's not going to bring you reincarnated because you're alive. So who? But who we going to get. What if it's something about your DNA that's connected to reincarnation, and we just don't really know how it works? And so, if you have a child, it's like you die. So and your you line has to be alive for you to be reincarnated. Oh my goodness! I like I don't know. It. What's I mean, that called? That's called reincarnate Alex. I don't know. Reincarnate. I can't follow that exactly. What is that? Can you explain it to me? So I'm just saying that it's connected to the spirit world. So <clears throat> DNA is the one thing that we know. We're getting into crazy stuff now. But so DNA is the one thing that we know that you actually do pass down to your child, to your offspring. You, they, you get some of the, your DNA. So literally, uh, reincarnation, like, scientifically happens right there. Like, you know, you are going into another human body. So I'm just okay. saying if you don't have a child, then maybe you just, it's over. Like, maybe it's just black and you just, it's gone. Mm -hmm. But if you do have a child, maybe you actually get to keep playing yeah. this life game. I recognize some, some Check that you know, spiritual sense of lineage has something to do with your, your, your own spirits uh, continuing I think on. there has to be some science. Like, there is some physical evidence that has to explain all of these spiritual things that we believe in some type of way. So uh, I think that... That, that might, you know, I don't know. Oh, my Lord, my reincarnation just walked there in the is. door. Oh, <laughs> no. looks just like you. It's your spirit animal. <laughs> he looks like me? Yeah. Oh, he does? A little He's bit. a cutie. Cute. He, oh, I love the hair, dude. Looking good, bro. And your husband, is this David, your husband, who works at the zoo? Aquarium. At the aquarium. He's on Twitter, Aquarium Dave. He tweets about sharks and penguins. That's cool. Dave, come on yeah. over. Come and sit down. Come on, Dave. <laughs> now we've got a, we got an extra mic Dave, for Miss Mac. Yeah, Miss Mac never showed. Does he play the guitar? Oh, you play the guitar, Catherine. We're going to get you to play a Actually, song. Actually, Dave and I both play guitar. We met ah, uh, playing music, and we were hosting Songwriters Night in Shreveport. Perfect. Dave, come in. Hey, this is Alex. I'm Grant. And I got Pleased a book I want to give the little one. I'm Andrew. Andrew. You know, yeah, Catherine, because you, right you lived together for nine years before Who's you married. Who's the fellow with so the finger in his mouth? This is Louie. Louie. Oh, that's Hello, the name Louis. of the... I got to give you the book. That's the name <gasps> of my character in my book. Oh, that's uh, book. Yeah, yeah, it's right the book there. Yeah. Speaking of which book? Uh, Thorn in My Horn. So I named him Louie. He, he loves... Uh, so Louie Armstrong? Yeah, kind of. And so he loves playing trumpet, but his mom can't stand the noise, so she's a thorn in his horn. <laughs> oh, so that's, that's your... Oh, that's, that's for great. you, Louie. That's, that's your great. book, dude. I got to sign it for you. Oh, man. Oh, thank you. No, that's awesome. Hey, Alex, what about reading a page or something? Definitely. Can I read my favorite part? Yeah. Yeah, so my favorite part, and it kind of explains the book. So after he's tried to play for his mom, and she said no and get out a bunch of times, she says... The story says... Uh, Louis never stopped playing. He hadn't been home in weeks. And one day, Mom noticed, and she took to the streets. You see, she did love her boy, but the horn is so loud for him to practice indoors would have killed her somehow. So uh -huh. That kind of sums up what the whole book is about. So cool. that's for you, Louis. Very oh my cool. goodness! That's Thank awesome. you so much. And it rhymes as well. We oh yeah, it. so it's a it's a rhyming book, and then I also wrote music to go along with each scene, so that kids that can play music can either read the book. So he goes, he's going to play music, so he can actually. He's play all the about book. the trombone. Oh, awesome! Does awesome. the trombone go trouble? How old is this little kid here? He's Look. two and a half. Two and a half. He plays the trombone. Uh, he wants to. Yeah, I played trumpet. Turns everything into a trombone. Yeah. All right. That's pretty cute. Hey, David, you're moving to the mic so we can hear you. So I know your name's David because you've got a name tag on your Audubon Institute um, yeah. thing. So what do you do at the, at the aquarium exactly? Uh, well, I, uh, my official title is uh, volunteer supervisor. But 
the great thing about the Ottoman Institute is nobody has just one job. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say volunteer supervisor, you supervise volunteers. You're not a volunteer person who is a supervisor. No, I'm, I'm so you supervise the volunteers. Yes, I also work in the education department, and I also have a small group of animals that I help take care of. How often do you have to dispatch of or fire a volunteer because they're just not up to snuff? Uh, I, are we talking about your personal past? <laughs> Am I going to have to make an explanation? No, I just remember a couple of friends who were degenerates who, who <laughs> did volunteer, and I was just wondering if they ever got dispatched. <laughs> so far, I've not dispatched anyone That's impressive. in any form or fashion. That's Is great. there a test to be a volunteer? What do you do as a volunteer, actually? Uh, you help people out. There, we, have, uh, we have exhibits, and you help people out. They have questions, you explain what's going on, you give a little facts about the uh, animals, and um, it's just a public outreach. And how did you train to be a supervisor? How did you get the job? What's your uh, ba I was background? standing on the property when they built the building. Oh, they built so it around they to, you. Yeah, they had to figure out a job you. for me after that. Mm. <laughs> I, was a, I was a teacher. Uh -huh. So when I came, uh, when I stopped doing that to uh, I raised Louie for a year and a half. I, I stayed home with him for a year and a half. And um, then when I went looking for a job, they needed an education. Uh, wow, cool. So you hosted Open Mic Night in Shreveport, the two of you. We sure did. Uh, it was you co-hosted it, and that's how you met? Um, I was hosting it with a friend of ours, and Dave walked in the door after moving back from California. Um, he writes great songs and you, has a great Do you want to sing one? Um, yep. <laughs> both of you. Let's make them do it. Uh, do we have two guitars? Do you both play? We can do a duet. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, Dave, come on. Uh, you got it, Dave. It's happy you can do it. Dave's doing it. Okay, Andrew's handing Dave a guitar. That's, that's in tune and everything. Yep. He hasn't had any of this delicious no. tamarind cocktail. No, maybe we need oh, to get Dave a cocktail. Oh, that's going to help out. <laughs> yeah, that might. why everybody. Yeah, we're drinking, uh, we're drinking tamarind. What is it? Tamarind orange? Tamarind vodka orange vodka. Cocktail yeah, of some sort. Sounds right, yeah. Well, okay, one of the things that Dave and I both do is we go back to Shreveport, mooring sport accurately, in October to play at Leadbelly's grave. Nice. Uh, Leadbelly was, you know, he, he was buried up in mooring sport. And Shiloh Baptist. Yeah, Shiloh Baptist Church. So we've been doing this for, oh, 10 years, 12 years, but uh, this, this thing's been going on over 20 years. A whole bunch of great North Louisiana musicians gather around his grave. Um, Buddy Flett. Uh, the Bluebirds, Ted Lindsay, Danny Wilder, and we go and we we sing songs of Lead Belly, and uh, so we'll do a Lead Belly song. Cool. We'll just do like two verses of "Take This Hammer," uh, which is a work song Lead Belly did. Nice. Which I'm in the process of relearning. That's okay. <laughs> let's do it. Process. A, you can have a drink if you like first. I'm putting him on the spot. Totally. trying to figure this out as we sure. Take this hammer, take to the captain, take this hammer, take it to the captain, take this hammer, take it to the captain, till I'm gone, till I'm, I'm gone. And if he asked you, was I running? If he asked you, was I running? If he asked you, was I running? Tell him I was flying, 
Telemice flying. That's about all I can remember that's right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that. <laughs> I know we say this a lot in this town, but only in New Orleans. That's a. Could someone pick up the guitar? I knew that. Who I knew, at the I knew that Mississippi John Hurt sang that song. Was Lead Belly was before Mississippi John Hurt? Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, I think well, so. Lead Belly was born in like 1850s. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know when Mississippi. Totally. I don't know when Mississippi John, John, John Hurt was, was like born 40s, exactly. 50s, kind of on the scene. So yeah. yeah, I'm sure. But oh my lord, could that man play? Yeah, that's a fact. Andrew, yeah. you want to play something? Sure. Let's I make Andrew it. play something as well. You're in, you're in for a treat now. Uh, so. What's your band, Andrew? Just me, Andrew Duhon. But I got a band. We just haven't given him a name. But I'd love to give him a name if I we ever come up with it. I realize that I heard of you a bunch of times now. Oh, Hearing cool. your name, Andrew Duhon. Yeah, right definitely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I got a couple of thoughts. Maybe we could play a blues song or... Maybe we could play a kid's song, because I feel like there's some of that. Mm. Still kids song, Louis here. Yeah, yeah. kid's song. So here's the deal, y'all. Um, got asked to play at a school uptown New Orleans. This is like a while back. And um, they let me know about a month out, so I had some time. And I was like excited to play this preschool. And I thought to myself, oh, this would be great. I get to go play a preschool. And then I thought to myself about the songs that I'd written and which songs preschool kids would like. And uh, it wasn't really going to work out. So I decided I would write a couple of songs for these preschools kids. So I went and played, and I realized uh, after that experience, it was a great experience, that you don't write songs for preschool kids because they don't care. No, not at all. So not at all. Maybe you guys will like it. <laughs> I mean, in hindsight, it was a really stupid idea. But anyway, uh, this song goes like this, I think. Check this out, Louie. We did that. If <laughs> you forgot the real difference between Halloween and Christmas, you really ought to ask a little kid. And if you're not quite ready to publicly eat spaghetti, you ought to seek advice from little kids. See, grown-ups are fine and well When you need jars off the top shelf And they can even usually pop the lid But if you got a simple question And need simpler suggestions You ought to seek advice from little kids If you forgot the... <laughs> Wait, that's not right <laughs> I'm gonna get it, here we go I can't remember, so it's better, best just to go with a whistle solo. It always works with the kids. <laughs> what you think, Lou? He's not falling asleep yet. We're okay. Okay, I got it. Second verse. If you can't tell Stegosaurus from T-Rex or Brontosaurus, you really ought to ask a little kid. You won't find help in a thesaurus. Now let's sing the simple chorus. You really ought to ask a little kid. Now if you received a pardon from pre-K or kindergarten, you might find yourself frustrated. When it really comes down to it, 
All along those rascals knew it You really ought to ask a little kid This is where I'd usually put the whistle solo, but... Now you might think me kind of clever For putting this song together But there's something I've not admitted Nice Well, it's that I'm proud to say That at the park just yesterday I learned this whole song from a little kid I have to say that is the second week in a row I think that we've had a children's song on the show. No, thir- was uh, it, we was had it a, one in between because I wasn't here. Two, 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 two out of three shows we had Johnette Downing playing. We all had a sing along song. Oh man, that song. was so fun. At that time, I didn't know that you were a secret children's songwriter. You, I'm even, not. Wrote, you <laughs> even wrote like a B section into that. It's a, it's a real song. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great song. Thinking that, how old are priests? It's even a real song. That's what I mean. Like, it's a real serious song. How old are these kids that you were trying to impress with? They that? were five. They were preschool. Five, right? Yeah. Maybe you changed someone's life with that song. You never know, I don't you think know? so. They were all like playing with their toys and la la la, didn't care. You think there was one sitting there listening, going, I don't think so. Change one. Telling his therapist, you know, when he's 20. I I think it was the day that I heard that guy Mm. play that song about publicly eating spaghetti. I just, I don't know. (laughs) Fuck me up. That's right. He's going to be like a punk kid who's going to always have a shirt that says, I eat spaghetti in public. It's okay. Hey, Louie's working on the uh, microphone. Thank you, Louie. Say hello to me. Hello. Can you say anything? Hey, Louie. Does he talk? Tastes good. Do you say a few words, Louie? No, Ladies okay. and gentlemen, right now you're hearing Louie currently tasting the microphone. <laughs> Delicious. Nice. So you guys live on the West Bank? We live in Algiers, and uh, um, we've been there since 2007. It's a lot of fun. Love that neighborhood. What month uh, in 2007 did you move? Oh, my goodness, August. We've always moved in New lived Orleans in, in August. Every single time we've ever moved has been in August. Seven years straight in August. Do you have oh, to yeah. remove Louie's mic there so that you, you can talk into it? Yeah. So just move it around like you know just like it was open mic night have so you guys yeah. heard this about algiers it's where the bywater goes to breed <laughs> that's what i hear i, I like that yeah we're right. back to dna again now yeah. oh, or yeah, reincarnation <laughs> no this is just just this is just um migration whoa hello so um <laughs> you're part of a thing like a, a thing called the algiers fest Yes. Which I'm um, not familiar with. Okay, let me tell you about it. It's the Old Algiers River Old Fest. Old Algiers River Fest, okay. Um, it's a jazz festival we're having this weekend, September 28, 29. It's free to the public, and it's on the river road right on the levee. Um, you're going to have amazing music all weekend from noon to 5 every day. Um, Both this days, is the ninth Saturday bill. and Sunday. Mm-hmm, this is the ninth year of the festival. And if you want me to tell you some of the lineup, I'd be happy Go to. Go ahead. Um, uh, Saturday kicks off with the Mardi Gras Indian Parade, the Mohawk Hunters. They're a local Algiers um, Indian uh, troop. Is that? Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Club. Crew. Club. Do you think, does anybody no, know? Crew. Yeah. Crew. Tribe. Um, then the Panorama Jazz Band, Shades of Praise, Anne St. John, Hot 8 Brass Band, and Nicholas Payton closes out the night with Roland Garin and Johnny Vodakovich. Cool. This is like a real deal. Oh, my Lord. Is it more than the real so deal? So you it's put fantastic. this together? You're a promoter? Um, I'm on the board. I'm the secretary for this festival. Um, I'm new to the board, uh, so it's been going on a long time without me. So I have a lot of ropes to learn. 
but uh, I'm working for it. I like know? that. I got a lot of ropes to learn. Never, sure, never heard it said that way. That's good. That's because I'm Keep like George that. W. Bush. I'm always mixing up metaphors. No, you said it. No, that's, that's perfectly used. Just augmented. It was good. I like that. So here's my question for you. Last weekend of the free ferry. Whoa. Wow. Is totally. that that's this it. weekend. This coming up as the yeah. last weekend of the free How much are they charging after that? You know, that's... I don't even understand how that could be possible because they haven't installed a way to pay yet. Right. Um, <laughs> well, I think it's $2. It's going to be $2 we, per person. We tried. I mean, in our own defense, we did try and help you. We tried to buy the ferry. Who's know? we? <gasps> I remember it's the New campaign. Well, how did that not happen? I saw that. Yeah, I we saw had that. an Indiegogo campaign did, instead yeah, of on the wrong that. Side. Well, well you didn't have fund that. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I saw that. I'll tell you what. If we had fund that, and Louis Ludwig made this awesome video for us. I think we should buy the ferry. Let's try it It's too late. We got, And now they've given it to the Viola the company who runs the RTA. Yes. When we buy the ferry, we can put on shows. Yes. Little yes. Like, whole idea. Little one-minute plays on the, yes. you know. Well, that Night was a whole club. idea. Yeah. A okay. bar. I'm late on this game, so. I loved yeah. it. it I awesome. loved your campaign, absolutely. How I much totally did you give us? Um, me, Nothing. personally. That's the thing. We needed to raise, how many million was it that we said we were trying to raise? Three million? I don't know if you promoted it enough. Well, we did our best, but we only raised like $500. Was Fundat uh, not around million. at the time? We weren't. We weren't. Fundat we were just see, born see, in See, but Fundat, with yeah, Fundat, they he would have gotten his 500 bucks, and then he would have gone and spent it on some steak dinners, you know? So, so. <laughs> so That's an interesting point right there, because yeah. I was looking for $3 million. I couldn't have, I wouldn't, myself, I would not have taken the $500 off the people that gave it to me, because it was so, but we, that was our plan, though. But whatever your reward was, whatever the rewards that you were giving away for 500 the person who gave the 500 still would have got their reward. Well, but no, we weren't giving away. Well, we were giving away a dollar ferry ride. But the really reward was that you became an owner of the ferry, that all of us in New Orleans were going to own the ferry jointly, and it was going to be owned by the people, not the RTA and not the yeah, state. Yeah, what, what if the reward was like an insignia on the ferry itself, and then it never happened, so you don't get your reward? You know, how do you, how do, you do that? Magic marker. Middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do it. And now we are left up into the hands of the French. I feel like we've been here before. I don't know what's I don't know what's going to happen. The hands of the French? Yeah, because that's who owns the RTA. The RTA, the, well, actually, the RTA is owned by is, is the state or the city or whatever it is, but they've they've outsourced running. And I don't know whether people in New Orleans even know this, and this is probably not the forum to get into this at all, but the RTA has out, outsourced public transportation to a private company, which is French. Yes. Uh -huh. It's absolutely yeah. outrageous. That's pretty. Isn't it? I mean, are they going to charge more? Are they going to be more efficient? Well, Which they've one? been doing it ever they've since. Been it they've been doing it for years. Post Katrina, it's already happening. Some would say yeah. that it's much more efficient with the French running it. All right, I'm okay with it then. Well, have you seen this other thing? There's a great app now called Transit Hub. I heard about can, that. It's awesome. This app, you can. It'll tell you where the streetcar is yeah. or where the bus oh, is yeah. and how far away it is, and it'll and it. You know, two minutes away or three minutes or five minutes. I was minutes, using something great in California. I think we could have done that without the French's help. We, we well, did that without the French. The app yeah, that that remained to be seen. Uh, well, that is an outrage that the, you know, some sort of public, uh, private company has been outsourced to run public transportation in New Orleans. Graham DuPonte is here, our well, producer. Great yes, do you show. Have something, do you have show. something to say about great this? Yeah, Are you just giving us napkins? I wish you had bought the ferry. I wish we had too. I would have lived we on it. We wouldn't, be <laughs> we wouldn't be sitting here. We'd be hanging out the ferry. Wouldn't that right. be great? Some rooms for rent. Like oh, a bed and awesome. breakfast That's, on so the ferry. Let's just build a ferry. Let's Can make we just 
Well, it was Chris Boyd's idea from Aptitude, who's an app builder, actually. He said that he wanted to turn the ferry into a party boat, and that's how the joke started on Twitter. And we said, you know what, what if we did that for real? What if we actually made something of the ferry, and the crossing wasn't just going from, you know... Throw a number at me. How mu- did you get that number from somewhere, 3 million? Is that re- I reasonable? I think we asked people at Stay Local. Dana Ennis from Stay Local helped us out, and a couple of other people, and they told us that the, you know, the, the amount to buy the ferry would be about $3 million. Okay. Here's world-famous photographer John McCusker as well. Hello, John. This is like a banner day yeah. down here. What the heck is going on? Mm. So we tried to, um, you know, we, we figured that that figure, if we got the $3 million, it would be enough to buy it and to run it for like okay. a year or something. I, I feel like this is going to happen. I, I don't know why not. Well, I just met Alex. Chris Boyd. He's actually a really cool dude. I met him at Nerd Night Nola. Is he a cool dude with three million dollars? Um, he might because yeah, he might eventually. Actually, he might. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, he he may uh, actually get there. Yeah, he builds apps and stuff. He's a really cool dude. Uh, he's with uh, Aptitude, right? Yeah, and right? he's been on he's been on Happy Hour as well. And he sang a song for us on that. On oh, that a singer and a coder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he sang a truck driving. He sang a truck driving commercial that was on <laughs> that was on when he was a kid. Diesel Driving Academy? Diesel Driving <gasps> Academy. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. I remember that. You know, it it's a Shreveport thing. I remember that. When yes. you can drive a truck, you've got to drive, my friend. Diesel Driving Academy will teach you all you need to know. Call 1-800-551-8900. The road starts right here. Let me that, take the solo. Wait, wait. That's like a Voltron <laughs> intro. Like I'm right telling there. you. Still, you remember the phone number, and he remembered the phone number as well. So I'm telling you, it's the best jingle in the world, because we were like all like five years Truck old. Truck Driving And the guys in uh, the bingo show also knew it, and that's, they sang it along. No kidding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, Chip Forstall has a great jingle, though. I love, Chip the, I love those jingles. He How's that one? the law. Yeah. And he gets different <laughs> for people from New Orleans to sing it. I like have Sasha Mazikowski singing it, I think. Okay, yeah. yeah. That, she might be the last. I love her. It's just like a Jazz, yeah. classical type thing. I like it. That's cool. Hey, you know what? You guys have come to the end of Happy Hour. Oh, it's all over for another week. I'm so, sorry to I say. I had a great time. This has been a great awesome show, time. and even without Miss Mech showing up, she didn't make it. Louis showed up, the trombone player. <laughs> Good man. Good man. The, the trombone shorty, too. Alex McConduit from Fundat and the author is here. You can buy Alex's books down at the Fred Street Market. And also at, on the website, which is the link to our site. What's it called? Bigbootbooks.com. Bigbootbooks.com. The Algiers Fest is this week, Algiers River Fest is Please this weekend. Please check out the website. I'm going to be there. OldAlgiersRiverFest.com. Otherwise, we can go to SnoozerQuinn.com uh, and check please. out all about SnoozerQuinn and his misshapen head, <laughs> the inventor of the jazz guitar. Jazz guitar solo. There you go. That's happy hour for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. The producer of our show is Graham DuPonte. Our associate producer and technical director is Chris Kehoe. Christian Unruh is our music director. Our theme song was written and is currently being played by Mitch Foreman. The fabulous audio quality of this show is brought to you in part by PreSonus Audio Electronics, who make some of the best audio recording and live sound products around, including Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Eros Studio monitors, and much more. You can visit PreSonus.com for all the information about that. If you'd like to be on our show and you actually show up and you can sit around and talk to us for about an hour. Our address is on our website. Drop us a line where you can also check out our other happy hour shows. There's many more to listen to. We've been doing this for almost three years now. Do you realize Damn. that? And awesome. we still look as just as young as when we started out. Yep. You can also check out Out to Lunch with Peter Rusciutti live from Commander's Palace Mindset with psychiatrist Dr. Nick Pajic, true to the game with the fabulous Chris True and Tammy Nelson. Viet Nola, our show about the New Orleans Vietnamese community and Midnight Menu Plus One. 
with Margot Moss and the man who ate New Orleans, Ray Canada. Keep up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and a bunch of other time-sucking social media as well on all of it where it's New Orleans. If you listen to this on iTunes, Stitcher, or another podcast app, take a moment to rate and review us. That helps other people find us. And Surely you'd like that, wouldn't you? Our show was recorded live today at Casa Borrega, which is on Aretha Castle Haley Boulevard in Central City, New Orleans. It's a bar, it's a live music venue, and it's an awesome restaurant as well. Happy Hours, a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For Andrew Duhon, everyone sitting around here at the table. Alex, are you yawning? No, well, I'm not. you've been yet. up since 2 o'clock <laughs> no, no. in the morning, yeah, though, yeah, you know. A little bit. And Chris Kehoe over there on the controls, everyone back at our office. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week on Happy Hour.